Welcome to Vaginance. We're very happy to be here. This week, we're discussing our real hourly wage. So what that means is a fairly elaborate calculation system where you spend some real time putting in how much money you make per hour. And some of us might have a nine to five that has a very simple hourly wage. Some of us might have multiple side gigs that we have to include. Uh, So you put your hourly wage and then you are putting down your expenses and your expenses are some of the more obvious things like how much it costs for you to commute to your job every week, how much it costs for you to feed yourself at your job every week. And then some are going to be less obvious, like if you are going on vacation to take a break from your job every year, how much will that shake out to every week or every month uh, whenever you take an average? Or uh, how much time do you take to get dressed every morning and get yourself ready? And that, and how much do you spend on your makeup, on your clothing for work, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a probably a spreadsheet that we might be able to share in the notes. We'll have to look at proprietary issues on that. <laughs> but it could be helpful for people to calculate their own. But you can easily just Google uh, how to calculate your own real hourly wage and figure it out. So we all did that. Uh, and rather than giving you our particular numbers, we're going to just kind of share what our real hourly wage is compared, at least percentage-wise, to the hourly wage that we think we are paid every month. So I'll start. My real hourly wage, because I'm a massage therapist, I I don't, some of it's a little cut and dry and a little easier. So I am able to leave my job at my job. I don't take it home with me. And I'm really, really lucky to be able to do that. So the cost of decompressing at the end of the day, right? Um, Having a drink, that sort of thing. Uh, To me, it it doesn't really associate with my job too much. So calculating my my cost of commuting, because I do have to commute, I obviously can't work from home. Among other things, my clothing, I have to buy kind of athleisure wear, have to buy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a real sacrifice. And yeah, so whenever I calculate everything in, my, my real hourly wage shakes out to be about half of what I'm paid by the hour. So mine shakes out to be about 55% of the hourly wage that I think I make or that I'm paid, that I see on my on my paychecks. But if with everything included, yeah, it shakes out to be about 55% of that. How about you, Julie? Super interesting. Well, I guess I have a follow-up before you move on. How yeah. does how does that percentage How do you feel about that? Is that upsetting to you or do you feel like that's probably average or? It's not upsetting because so with because of the way massage works or the way I get paid is it's only hands on hours and teaching yoga. Right. I'm not getting paid for when I set up the yoga studio or set up my personal massage room. I'm only getting paid from that hour, that hour and a half, whatever. So I don't work eight hours a day because I would die. Um, I'm only working like hands on four hours a day, but I'll be at the studio for like six and a half hours, even if I only have three and a half hours of hands on work. So I already know that my pay is already getting stretched. Right. So that's already, so it's not terribly shocking. So that's, but that is another big calculation for me. I'm at work for a lot longer than I'm paid for my work, about 50% longer, which uh, actually it all shakes out <laughs> when I think about it that way. Um, because I 
have a half hour at least between every appointment to do like heavy sanitization and stuff like that. So yeah, it, it, it wasn't shocking. It was much less upsetting than I anticipated it being actually. So yeah, yeah, I'd say it was about on track, but a little bit better than I had expected. Right on. Does it affected how you think about spending at all? Not a whole lot. Because you were already doing, <laughs> you were kind of already using this method in a different way. Yeah, this is kind of similar to how, well, not exactly. It is really good because whether you think you know how much money you're earning or not, it's a lot better to actually know <laughs> um, because it's really easy to be like, well, I made you know this much money this hour, so really this you know, exorbitant meal was only this much. Um, but when you actually see the number calculated out, it is, it really allows for a lot more mindfulness. So I'm definitely grateful for it. I'm really glad I did it. But I'm such a cheap bitch. Like, uh, it, it doesn't change too much for me. But it is definitely helpful. Very, very glad to have it. So what you're saying is you have to spend more money in order to see the real hourly wage change how you spend your life energy on things, like to have that sort of factor in. If you were more of a spender, it might have more of an impact. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely has an impact. Um, but because of the way I already budgeted and spent my money, it's not a huge change in my personal spending habits. Um but yeah, maybe if I was a bigger spender, and I yeah, may, maybe it would it would have it would have been more dramatic. I sort of earlier today completely scrapped the idea of real hourly wage for myself, and I am excited to get into why that is. But I ran some quick calculations to do this percentage thing because I find that really interesting, and I believe mine comes in between sixty and sixty five percent, and. I haven't yet figured out what that really means for me, hmm. but for being a relatively high income earner, it is kind of hard to look at that number just because I know how much of it is going to not only income taxes, but the additional self-employment taxes, how much goes into business expenses just to keep my day-to-day -day business afloat. And so my take home at the end of the day being at that point, you know, for some weeks when I'm working really excessively. Is, is just interesting. Yeah. So you included taxes in your calculation? Mm -hmm. I, I did not. did not do that either. <laughs> I, was just, I was like, oh, shit, I did not do taxes in my calculation. That would make <laughs> well, it a little bit more complicated. I do pay a lot of taxes with the self-employment tax on top of it. So I can't not. Like, that's just so top of mind all the time for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, cut mine by another quarter, probably. Well, not entirely. Not I'm that much. Not that I think much. We've landed with no one knows. <laughs> well, no. But we, <laughs> we tried. But we tried, Taylor. <laughs> we really don't know. No, that's not true. That's what we're working on. We have some ideas. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I guess with mine because I'm only paying. I, I'm an employee, so whatever. I most of my money comes from being an employee, but a small chunk of my money comes from not from being a contractor or a business owner. So my taxes would be a little bit different each time. I think that's actually maybe the sweet spot because owning the business allows you to write off a lot of things that you couldn't if you were only an, an employee. I love that. Even though you use it for both being an employee and a business owner. Yeah. 
But that was very uh, obviously wise of you to <laughs> incorporate taxes into your calculation. Mm. Yeah, now I'm just feeling like I need to redo mine and <laughs> I don't have my tax information with me just right now. do it without the taxes. No, but you had a lot of stuff you want to talk about, so I'd like to hear it. I It's going to derail from this. Okay, so, so we're let's circle back. 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 Okay. Yes. All right. Um, mine, I don't know my percentage. I didn't do that either, but uh, and I could probably figure it out fairly quickly. But I think my percentage would be very high, as far as what my real hourly wages compared to my actual wages, and the reasons for that are because my work expenses are very low, and that my work covers all of them basically. Even when I, I'm not really traveling anymore for work, but when I was, they would pay me per diem and I usually made money on the per diem. Nice. Um, and so really my only work expenses were some minor office supplies, but my company covers most of those too. And like business clothes. But now I'm not traveling for work anymore, so I really haven't bought any new business clothes in quite a while. And then I'm also lucky in that I know exactly how many working hours I have because I am very brutally honest with my time billing mm. because I want them to know exactly how hard I'm working, <laughs> especially on weeks when I'm working a lot. Um, so <laughs> I have like my exact hours and my hours were kind of low this year just because um, with COVID taking a big dive in my industry for about two months, there was a just waiting period of us trying to figure out what we were going to do. So from all of that, with that information, my real hourly wage versus my actual hourly wage are both pretty similar and probably kind of high. Yay. Um, and I wanted to talk about that because I think the point of this exercise is to... Find your real hour, hourly wage and make it mean something in your daily spending and really think about that. So I much prefer my calculation to be done instead of with working hours using living hours, like how many hours I'm alive. Because like Taylor was talking about earlier, even though I'm not actually working, I'm always working. I'm always thinking about work. I'm always doing something that's somehow related to work, talking about work even in this podcast, a lot of my mental space, I lose sleep over work a lot of times. So if you calculate my real hourly wage using hours that I'm living, it becomes much more meaningful to me mm. in that way. Because then I'm like, this is X amount of dollars of my life instead of X amount of dollars of my job. Yeah. And then I also wanted to note that uh, this doesn't really, my numbers don't really account for all of the costs to like my emotional and physical health, the cost that it's this job, I should say this career, because this job is good, but in my career, the cost to my relationships and my friends and family has been very high. Um, like the time I have not spent on other hobbies or skills or projects that I wanted to pursue, like all of those things aren't really calculated in that dollar. So that's why I think using the life money, and even then I would be like, I didn't calculate it right because I'm not counting for all those costs too. Yeah, that makes sense. I I often feel like even if the job that I have pays well and it's you know fairly easy, it takes away from things that I really want to be doing. 
like hobbies and, and things I would do if I didn't have to work for money. So me and Julie calculated ours together. I don't know. There was a reason that I thought maybe I'd calculated it wrong and I can't remember what it was. But I think when I calculated it, we included taxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mine's about 55%, I would say, of Man. what I actually make, which is still decent, but it's not, I don't know if it's worth it, like worth my life hours. And luckily, like because the job is fairly easy, I don't have to spend too much time thinking about it outside of work, which is nice. But during the day when I am working, I'm just like, I could be doing so many other things that I'd enjoy, <laughs> like I'd rather be doing. Um, I wasn't too disappointed. I I do think like even with the numbers, like it's still a good amount for like what I'm doing. You know, it still feels like it's not that much. But I I actually think being in that mid range, all of us sort of sitting around there, give or take. Um, Maggie didn't do her percentage, but oh, I'm thinking well, it's it's there or above. It'd probably be like seventy. Okay. So being in that like 50 to 70 range, I actually think is probably high Mm. compared to the average because especially with our working situations right now, none of us, we we don't live in Houston with an hour long commute each way. Mm -hmm. And then uh, because with real hourly wage, oftentimes people count commute time, Mm. they count um, the hour it takes them to decompress staring at a TV when they get home. Right. Like any time that's wasted in that transition from work to your real life where you're having to like regain your energy all sort of factors into the real hourly wage and adds up the hours that you're paying for with your life but not necessarily getting paid for. So your income stretches over those as well. Right. And so I think ours is actually probably pretty high for the average. That's that's probably true. I mean, I was just talking to Joey about this last night. He was talking about how he always dreams that he's at work. Like oh, almost no. every single night he dreams that he's at work and he's working. And I'm like, do you realize how much that accounts for what you're getting paid? Like if you if you count that is because you're working. Like if your mind thinks you're working <laughs> and you're asleep, you're working. Yeah. And you're not even getting paid for that work. Yeah. So that's like an extra eight hours a day <laughs> that you are working for free. I was like, really think about that. Like that sucks that you're probably making way. L- I mean, if you if he were to calculate his hourly wage, like it would probably be less than 50%. Just the fact that he works eight hours when he's sleeping right? and thinking about it and he's stressed out and he's tired all the time. And it's like, it's taking more of a toll than I think he realizes. That is brutal. Yeah. I feel very lucky in that I find my work very fulfilling. And if I end up taking on projects that aren't what I want to be doing anymore, I can pivot pretty quickly and change to only focusing on work that I really love, even if I'm working really hard. So I don't feel like I'm paying so much on like the stress or hating work or feeling unfulfilled side, even if I'm working the long hours. But I do think that the quality of life I have, and that a lot of us have just living in Austin without long commutes and getting to enjoy, you know, the place that we live, I think our quality of life makes up a lot more than you know what we've seen our families and friends in other cities yeah totally where you can't even like hold a conversation when you get home Mm -hmm. because you're like so stressed about work and 
Yeah. And yeah. it's already seven o'clock at night and yeah. it's like time for dinner and then decompress and go to bed and start over at six in the morning. Yeah. I mean, and it makes such a big difference in like, yeah, your quality of life. When when I'm working on something that I get excited about and I want to talk to other people about, like, oh, I worked on this really cool project. We're doing this and this. Like, I've noticed that when I'm working on design stuff, I want to talk about my projects with people and like talk about what I'm doing because I find it really fulfilling and like interesting. And I could I could spend five hours designing a web page and that to me it feels so much more worthy of my time and I'm like into it I get it I went through a really toxic phase in my career where uh on Monday mornings I would wake up at like three or four to get to the airport to catch a 5 a.m flight and then (laughs) I would get home on Friday at like 11 or 12 and then immediately go like I wouldn't even go home I would go from the airport to basically like a party because I would be like, oh, my friends in Austin are partying and like they've already started without me. I would go party till like three or four in the morning and then I would make it home, do laundry, be hungover all day Saturday, party again, same thing Sunday, like <laughs> just never had groceries in my house, like oh my God. didn't have time for it. And then like go to bed pretty late Sunday night and then wake up at 5 a.m. on Monday and do it again. And I did that for like years that makes me feel very that, dehydrated. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> nauseous. I I often related my life to like living like a rock star. So I was like, <laughs> I, I always lived out of a suitcase. I never unpacked my bag and I just like partied hard every weekend and then worked Monday through Friday. I will say I do like with the industries that I'm in, buying business clothes is like not a thing. I've never even thought about buying a separate wardrobe for work because no one gives a shit in entertainment. And uh, even with like IT company, like people just dress pretty casually, like cute, but casual. There's like no one wears a suit. I've never been in an office where I see people wearing suits, especially in Austin. Yeah. Like Austin tech companies, much more casual than a lot of cities. Yeah, one of the other follow-up questions is how has your spending habits changed over the course of your life? That had me thinking a lot. Does anyone have an answer to that? No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It feels like a Bible I feel like there have definitely been times in my life where I was spending less, um, but I think the biggest change is probably once I started actually looking at the numbers and tracking things a little bit better but i think that's probably relatable between all of us yeah that's our biggest plug really if there's if you need to make any financial changes just look at the money just look at what you're doing it is like shocking how much of a difference that makes (laughs) like actually looking at your bank account just look guys um i will say when i got a credit card that that was a turn for the word because <laughs> um, even like even when I was living in uh, you know New York and fucking living it up like I had way more money than I did I didn't have a credit card so like I found ways I mean most I mean I was like young and in my 20s and I would go out to bars and I would just like get drink like I didn't pay for a lot of stuff that's the thing it's amazing like if you're uh, 21 and living in a major city you can get a lot of free shit but yeah, I like even though I was going out all the time and like spending money, I always found ways to uh, be kind of cheap. We'd go to Broadway shows all the time 
but we would do the student tickets for 27 mm-hmm. bucks or 25 bucks or, you know, sometimes they'd be free if you like did the raffle. So we always found ways to make things cheap or like we would split like me and uh, one of my good friends, Monica, we would always go out. We love trying the new restaurants and food, but we would always share dishes. It was half the cost because we'd like split a meal or, you know, thing, little things like that that I don't even realize I was doing at the time. But it was because I didn't have a credit card. I'm just kind of not realizing this as I talk. It helped a lot with just me knowing like I could only spend a certain amount, right? I have $1,200 in my bank account. If I'm going out, I can't spend more than that because it just won't exist. I just won't be able to buy it. Yeah. I mean, you were saying that you were living like you had more money than you did, but you weren't. You were I guess living I exactly yeah. like how much money <laughs> yeah, but it you was just like, weren't saving. Felt, I wasn't saving at all. all. And it felt like I was spending beyond my means, but I really wasn't. I was just going out and doing stuff, but I always managed to make it cheaper than what I was, you know, what you, I had. You were hustling to I live hustling. the life you wanted without overspending yeah. your budget. Yeah. Well, and I think that now uh, that especially now that we've got savings on the mind, like what your means are changes like when we're in our 20s, beyond our means means no more than we make every week. But now, like, obviously, we want to set some that we make every week aside. Right, so like right. beyond your means isn't just your entitled entire paycheck. It's like, you know, 70 percent or 50 percent or 30 percent of your paycheck. Yeah. So I think that's really just what's changed. Plus your credit card. Yes. Yeah. Then when I moved to L.A., about a year in, I got a credit card and I was like, mm, free money. <laughs> Why are and there then no five coaches? years later, I had $25,000 of credit card debt, which is not really gone. not, is not bad fucking gone. <laughs> for five years of racket of credit card debt. That's not true. That bad. That's true. I wasn't doing anything too crazy. <laughs> but um, then I bought a house and now I'm like 300 something thousand dollars in debt, technically. Your comment about splitting meals had me thinking about transition points throughout life that are really obvious when you eat out because you go from splitting meals to you each get your own entree, but probably not splurging on drinks. Then you start adding drinks or appetizers and then both of those things and then dessert comes into play. And these are all like, like you've leveled up financially enough to be like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to order not just one drink, multiple drinks and an appetizer, and a full entree for myself, and dessert, even though I can't eat all of that. Yeah. See, right now, I'm at that's an incredible marker. And I can tell you that right now, I've passed the splitting, passed the just the entree, but I'm sitting pretty at entree plus either drink or appetizers. Rarely will I do both. But sometimes, if I go one drink, then I have unlimited. I might have like five (laughs) drinks. So it does feel like a splurge. (laughs) It is a slippery slope. Once you start drinking, you stop caring about the financial implications. The much more dangerous way to go. So listeners, please share with us what stage of life you're in financially. (laughs) Based on what you order at restaurants. I actually would love, I could read an unending number of responses to that question. That would be fascinating to me. Apart from the way my behavior has changed at restaurants, also, and the tier of restaurant I am comfortable eating in has changed mm-hmm. dramatically. Mm-hmm. What would we'll elaborate on that? Because I, I know for a fact there are some, I wouldn't call them, I, th- I think the word I'm looking for is divey restaurants with amazing food that I know that you love. Oh, I I didn't say that the tier has changed 
of what I will exclusively eat at. <laughs> I just mean the upper range of restaurants that I will now go to has definitely increased. Yeah. Um, or did for a period of time. I think we tend to eat in more mid and low range restaurants on the average now. But I've had the pleasure of experiencing many, many great restaurants here in Austin since we do have such an abundance. But that's changed dramatically over time. And with COVID. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's definitely gone down this year, which is probably good. I needed a reset. <laughs> I was trying to think of other. I really liked your thought of how what how much you order at a restaurant changes by how much money you make. Mostly because once I started doing massage therapy, I realized how much more comfortable I was eating out because I was making more money. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. Like, I've never before then not stressed about, like, getting the extra topping on the ramen and you know just like little things like that it's a really mad like crazy massive change with just making like a little bit more it mm-hmm. really does make a change one of my favorite activities uh is so i said it like whenever i travel i love eating at airports i think it's one of life's pleasures and so i like set myself a little budget which is usually 15 or 20 dollars and then I just walk. This is only if I have a l- long layover that I have to kill time. I just walk and I like look at every price on every menu. And then I like take an hour and a half to ascertain like the most efficient use of my airport food budget. And that's like how I entertain myself in every airport. That's also an astronomical challenge. Yes, because you it's a there's no it's a what's the word the like value you cannot win proposition there <laughs> yeah. is terrible yeah they can't win I'm, I'm having Seinfeld says do airports know what the prices are everywhere else <laughs> in the world <laughs> the worst part about living in Austin is actually that we never spend a layover in the Austin airport and the Austin airport actually has, the has best food best all food. Uh, yeah. they work almost exclusively with local Austin restaurants. So it's actually good food, not just big chains. And we never really eat in the airport because we never are stuck there. When I get the 5 a.m. flights, I 100% treat myself to Taco Deli at the airport. Oh, yeah, I do too. Yeah, Uh, They have a 24 Diner there now, and I fucking love 24 Diner. Do they have the sourdough chicken and waffles sourdough waffles i only ever get the vegan hash should we so go to the airport sure what else is on the man menu. i wish we could like go to the airport and just hang out <laughs> <laughs> just all buy really cheap tickets yeah, somewhere like, and then just go to the airport in the airport review it doing a restaurant i would 100 do that absolutely <laughs> if we could get absolutely five dollar like, like spirit airline yes. tickets let's like, do it san antonio well, austin yeah, to exactly. san antonio be careful because some of the airlines are in that other terminal which is not good yeah, they, you got, they you gotta know get in the main yeah. Spirit, I think Spirit is in the main one. I'm pretty okay, sure. Okay, if you find this deal, I will do okay. this with you. 100%. <laughs> this sounds amazing. Airport day. <laughs> I'll take Where off a fucking day at work. I'll use my PTO on this. <laughs> so, since this is your indulgence, maybe this needs to be an annual birthday <laughs> thing for it Becca. super fun. <laughs> I would love this. Yeah, <laughs> for Becca's birthday, we're gonna spend a day at the airport. <laughs> um, well, guys, it sounds like we already answered the question of what would you do if you didn't have to work for money? <laughs> Eat in airports. <laughs> Review airport Do stupid shit like spending a day in the airport. <laughs> 
going on the bucket list. <laughs> uh, before we get into that, yes, maybe I should circle back to why I scrapped the real hourly wage. Oh, you really should. Okay. So I had a realization. <laughs> this realization was obviously not today, but that as someone who's self-employed and owns a business, my income is really not tied linearly, linearly, did I say that right? To my work hours. Sometimes I work many hours for no money. Sometimes I work very few hours for a lot of money. I'm constantly thinking about work, which I don't necessarily see as a detriment, as I mentioned earlier, because I find my work very fulfilling and I'm quite engaged in it. But it's really, really difficult for me to say, if I can work one hour, I can afford X number of dollars in the world and then use that to say whether or not buying a pair of shoes is worth the life energy I spent working because my work hours are so, the value of my work is so variable. So what I sort of came to the conclusion today was that something that would work better for me to be able to assess how did I do this year and what do I want to change for the next year was looking at um, sort of high-level categories of my spending that break down into ones that really aren't worth the life energy but may not be optional, ones that are neutral to my life energy, and then those ones that give me energy, and then see how much of my total income I ended up spending in those categories, and then how I can tweak it. So the numbers came out sort of really beautifully in a way that I could even break it down where if I worked a normal five-day work week, uh-huh. my weeks basically look like Monday, I work for the man, <laughs> paying <laughs> taxes and health insurance. And then Tuesdays, I work to keep my business afloat. Wednesday covers my living expenses. Thursdays, I'm paying off my credit card debt. And Friday is the day that I work to pay for all the things that I'll actually remember from this year. All of my like highlights from the year. Wow, I love that breakdown. And what I'm most excited about for when when I started projecting out what next year looks like for me, um, I think I'm going to be able to lower the amount we pay in taxes because of the real estate investment incentives that there are in the tax system. So that's going to change pretty dramatically, which is that's the biggest category that really sort of detracts and doesn't really give me any life energy, like the value for my life energy. And then also the credit card debt will all be paid off. So that money's going to be able to reroute into investment. Yeah. So 2021 for me looks like Monday mornings working for the man. Monday afternoon and Tuesdays is putting money into our investments. (sighs) And then we've got like Wednesday for the business, Thursday for personal expenses, and Friday for the highlights, all the things I actually get energy from. That is so cool. I love that. Which makes me a lot more, I don't work a normal five-day work week, but you know, it still kind of helps me mentally just break that down each week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Makes Monday suck every time though. (laughs) But it going going from Monday working for the man to just Monday morning and having that done, that's a big difference. It's massive. That's awesome. I love that. I think that makes so much sense. I love that also. Yeah. I think you should make a graph about it. 
I hey, did. <laughs> I have a spreadsheet. Yeah. Share it in the show notes. <laughs> of course, you already have a spreadsheet. Well, because that's how I came to the conclusion. I was just breaking down because what I had done is I'd like calculated sort of a real hourly wage. And then I was picking all these random things that I've spent money on this year and breaking it down. And then I started converting it to percentages of my annual income. And then I noticed these trends and I started grouping mostly because I had done a few things that I wasn't into paying for. And then I had done all of the the highlights of things that I'm actually excited about from the last year. And and looking at the percent that I had spent on that, actually not adding up to that much at the end of the day. Do you guys want to hear what some of my highlights were? Yes. Okay. For just one day a week, ladies, <laughs> I managed to get in return a Scotland New Year's trip uh. with some of you. A trip to Calgary to visit friends and family and stare at the mountains, which I hadn't been back to that area in a number of years. Sounds amazing. Another Scotland trip with my mom, and then an additional week on that trip that I spent at a reading retreat in a castle. I was reading in a castle. And then, <laughs> and then COVID happened, so we ended up spending a lot more time at the home base in Austin, and... We took advantage of that by doing a lot of the yard projects and house upgrades that we hadn't managed to do in the last few years. So we built a fence. We put in a massive garden. We built a ton of planters. Now we have the hot tub. So we made some upgrades for that. Mm. Um, lots, lots and lots of projects at the house. And and that was a fair amount of money to and go in and do that. We did sell the trailers. That definitely helped. And then the e-bike that I bought recently and everything that kind of went with that. We did two trips to Marfa in West Texas. We're doing a Christmas ski trip back to visit my family. Um, started the podcast. Mm. Going to definitely remember that. And I did spend a not insignificant amount on um, a number of very lovely scotches, Irish whiskeys, and exceptional mezcals. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's amazing. That is a life well lived. I bet if I calculated my Miller Lite expense, it would be at least a one day a week. <laughs> uh, um, but so the whole point of that being that since since the point of the real hourly wage isn't really to figure out how much money you're taking home in that hour, it's whether or not the things you're spending money on are worth the time you're spending working. Yeah. This sort of gave me that perspective where I can shift things around now that the debt's getting paid off and if I can optimize the taxes so that frees up some cash, how do I want to be spending the money I get from the energy I'm putting into work? And can I manage to fit more things into that highlight bucket of things that I'm going to actually remember yeah. years down the road? Beautiful. You're making me want to write down my highlights now, which yeah. is do it. your do it. homework assignment. The other things that might be interesting is if anyone has clarity on their values or life purpose. <laughs> and um, if you were independently wealthy or could take a year off work or didn't have to work for money, what you would do. I mean, I would be traveling. Period. Yeah, I feel like we've hit this topic yeah. before. <laughs> we like and to talk we all about said that all traveling <laughs> and fancy cocktail bars. 
And I agree on the travel front, but I definitely have a few different types of trips that came to mind that um, in spite of how much I often travel, there are a few trips that I'm sort of holding out for a period when I'm not working. Mm -hmm. So I'd be curious if you guys have any of those. Well, I'm like already planning loosely. I would love to take a long trip next year, I guess. Uh, especially because we were hypothetically talking about going to Japan. Um, I would love to do that, but then probably tack on other Asian countries while I'm over there. Not like a crazy long trip, not like past trips, but, um, you know, I'd love to spend four weeks or so at least. That would be amazing. We should really go to Japan and Thailand. I currently can't get that kind of time off work but Rude. i have a lot of long-term travel trips that i'm planning to leave <laughs> for when i quit my job <laughs> this is why we need to be financially independent so that we can do this shit some of the ones that i had were um zach and i've definitely talked about doing a sailing trip at some point mm. and that's definitely a trip that would be much easier if we're not trying to work remotely with a good internet connection <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine uh, your laptop's getting pitched overboard just, first day. Yeah, it's just <laughs> so frustrating. Not first day, like second day when you're too far gone to come back. <laughs> so that trip would just be much, much, much more pleasant if it was just sailing and diving and reading books and hanging out at some ports on tiny islands. I'll meet you at all the ports. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds like my nightmare is being stuck on a tiny <laughs> sailboat. I'd just be vomiting over the side constantly. Yes, I, I understand a lot of people feel that way. <laughs> yes, I understand. I am, I am and also lucky just the fear of the expansive the ocean. Uh, that That is something I will have to work on, but... And sharks. I definitely have a uh, van life dream of seeing all of the contiguous national parks. That would be amazing. And I think about it pretty much every day mm -hmm. of my life. And I usually at least two or three times a week um, go on van selling websites. <laughs> Again? And, and I do that too. I like look at look like at them. if yeah. it like happens to be any like cheap vans in the area that someone like that little. Have you seen that little black bus? <sighs> I want that black bus. <laughs> and then you could like transform it into like a really fucking cool camper. And then, yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, I pretty much constantly dream about all of the cool things I'm going to do when I'm not working. And most of it's traveling. A lot of it's uh, road trip, national park traveling. But then I would love to spend another three months in Asia. It's a bit Always. of a longer stint than I can spend right now. Um, I would also like to do the thing where... Uh, you buy a van in New Zealand and tour New Zealand and then sell the van when you're done. Mm -hmm. I had some friends life. that did that. They did that. They're from Australia and they uh, came here and spent a month and they bought a car in Canada and drove it all the way down through like the uh, through America and then sold it at the end of their trip. Genius. Yeah. I desperately want to live in Iceland for some period of my life. Like legitimately will be upset if i don't get to live in iceland for a <laughs> technically the time change is kind of compatible with your current remote work that time would work it would be working from like 2 p.m 
to 10 p.m. And that is much more compatible with my sleep schedule. See? Perfect. Yeah, I I often daydream about just traveling to all the parks, but also like, you know, anywhere in the world and spending like two months in some random like small little French town (laughs) and eating baguettes every day Uh, and writing in my dream journal like a basic bitch. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's funny. I think I almost exclusively daydream about traveling, but like a lot of the times when I'm daydreaming, I'm like doing my job when I travel. Like I'm massaging internationally or teaching yoga internationally. I think that'd be super cool. That would be really cool. Yeah, and I still want to bring therapeutic massage to Denmark because when I visited Denmark, I was like, I want a massage. I was just on a plane forever. Where can I go get a massage? They're like, ew, we don't really do that here. (laughs) (laughs) Would you like a sexual favor that you're going to pay for? (laughs) Like one of my friends there was like, we know one guy who kind of sees a person who's not weird. Do you want his name? And I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) no I'm, I'm good but like yeah it's like not a thing at least within this group of people and their understanding of their culture <laughs> um so i really want to br- like i just want to bring a mas- therapeutic massage there and make a fuck ton of money off that scandinavia cash anyways so that's what Great i dreams. think about it's just i remember absolutely when that i was great. backpacking through europe i think i i tried very hard to set myself a budget of 60 dollars a day which included my accommodations food and anything i wanted to do as well and i would like try and average that out and like in some cities it's pretty easy to do that and then i got to fucking switzerland and like could not even eat food so like i went i remember i went to a grocery store and i bought a loaf of bread and like three apples and like a thing of cheese and like just ate that out of my backpack for the time that i was in switzerland because (laughs) i think the place where i was staying which was a hostel i was sleeping in a like literal barn Like for on sixty dollars a, a night, barn, and it was more than sixty dollars a night. That and, is insane. Yeah, and so I was like, "Guess I'll eat bread and apples when I'm in Switzerland." <laughs> I had I the best it. time ever, so I'm not complaining. I just mean like those countries are on a different level. It's a different level. When I was in Paris and I was couch surfing and had no money, I also went grocery shopping and I bought. Because everything, but the groceries were cheap, especially the cool stuff like brie and stuff. It was like one euro for like a lot of brie. And so wine. I, yeah, and wine. So I went to the grocery store and I bought a baguette and brie and Dijon mustard and fresh tomatoes because I don't know anything. And I went back to my couch surfing and host and they're like, oh, what'd you get? And I was like, this is what I got. And they're like, that's awful (laughs) and one of the girls was like why not why not eat that and i was like i i don't know it seemed like normal ingredients to me (laughs) 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 foolish american i'm gonna say that like i'm just gonna incorporate that into my normal vocabulary now we're gonna why not eat that we're gonna open a restaurant called why not We just make people feel stupid for whatever they're eating. 
or give them nostalgia for strange things we've all put together as meals while traveling. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> the idea of someone ordering anything at a restaurant and the waiter just always goes, uh, why not? <laughs> uh, we could maybe figure that out for you. Why, why not? <laughs> Gross, but fine. <laughs> <laughs> The other type of trip that came to mind for me, and this isn't something that I want to do soon, but I do hope by the time an opportunity arises that I'm in a position that I can take time off work. And that is that I have a lot of young people in my life who I care dearly for who I want to take on trips once they reach a certain age. But when I do that, I absolutely... Like the nieces and nephews? Yes, nieces and nephews and friends' children. And I do not want to be uh, beholden to my work on that trip because I think that managing, you know, these would probably be teenagers, managing teenagers in a foreign country is probably more than a full-time job and work would definitely take a hit on that. So, well, that's another thing that's sort of on my list for at some point in life, being able to do. No one has any um, values or a life purpose that you measure your spending up against. I mean, I feel like I wish I was a lot better about that. I probably, I definitely think about it and then maybe don't act the way I should sometimes. But I do think about like making environmentally friendly choices and like maybe shopping at the thrift store instead of buying new clothes and uh, not like having so much waste or like shopping at ethically sound places or companies. But um, I try to do those things, and then sometimes convenience takes over. Your values are much more noble than mine. <laughs> <laughs> I also try to shop locally, but convenience does take over sometimes. A lot of the times. Half the time. Let's say half the time. I spent most of like my young adult life truly believing that spending money on yourself was an objective evil so it was a lot there was a lot of like guilt associated with spending money um so that's been a big change in my life of like like but that like I mean that obviously can be extrapolated to many many other things in your life where if you see anything where you prioritize yourself as an objective evil like it's gonna yeah. cause problems down mm-hmm. the line it's very, and it has very, uh, <laughs> biblical thinking of you yeah, well, that's how I was wired when I was teen attack I am the original sin <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah my more recent adult life has been rewiring the brain of prioritizing things that set me up set me up for success. Um, both in like financial sustainability, but more so like my happiness um, and like what brings me the highest quality of life most efficiently. But that's an ever-changing kind of moving target. I, I've been kind of having the opposite experience where I feel like I've, not that I put myself first, but I, I do buy myself a lot of things until recently when I've been a lot more conscious about what I'm spending my money on. And now I almost feel like, weird or like bad when I buy something for myself or like I make I very rarely like I'll make it very like oh this is useful you know like I'm buying this because like to like uh, this weekend I went to the Christmas market and I bought something that was not useful and it was like the first time in a long time I bought something that wasn't useful just like a cute little planter but it was from one of our friends or one of Becca's friends so I was like I justified it by being like I'm supporting like a local artist who is also a friend like an acquaintance 
and um, it's really cute and it doesn't, I don't always have to buy myself something useful. Sometimes I can just buy myself something because it's cute and I like it and it's like art. Well, it sounds like that matches up with other values you hold, like yeah. shopping locally and maybe <laughs> utility true. as the only function isn't a value you hold. Yeah, that's true. I don't think about my values obsessively. And anytime I try to think about a grand life purpose, I think sends me off the existential crisis cliff. So I kind of <laughs> avoid that. But yes, that's good. <laughs> but looking at my spending did sort of reinforce um, my top two values that I hold. And that is um, relationships and community. This is one of my guilt-free spending areas. Anything that is related to spending on relationships or community building, I don't even think twice about it. And then my other one is exploration and learning. So anything that's related to learning something new or travel definitely falls under exploration and learning for me. Those are really high-value spending categories where I never regret a single dollar that I spend in those areas. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that way about going out to restaurants. I think I talked about this before, like going out to a really nice restaurant. I don't usually regret that, even if it's spending a lot of money, because I really love like a good meal. Hell yeah. Yeah. So quick reminder to our listeners that none of us are medical or financial expert or advisors. Really don't expert at anything. Don't yeah. take my advice on anything. Don't take our advice about restaurants and airports. Don't take our advice about getting <laughs> pregnant on an IUD. <laughs> dun, 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 dun.